Hello, my friendly book lovers. Hi, this is Kara and Harry Sonali. Welcome to Hall of the Shelves. exciting episode for you today we are about to discuss our first suspense novel on our podcast at hot up the shelves i know this is very different from the other books that we've been doing we've been doing mostly what like something that has to do with um socioeconomic issues or mental issues so this book is a little bit different from that i mean we're still going to talk about the things that matters to humankind but you know what it's a change that i definitely welcome it's also interesting to read this in right before summer starts because i think this is a little bit of a darker novel it has some brooding themes and it's kind of like you know having halloween in summer but it's it's really fun to talk about because I've, i think we've been reading a lot of like um spring type books so this is a change you know what? Every year, if you go to Walmart, Halloween starts earlier and earlier and Christmas starts at like August. So I don't mm. think we're that early. Yeah, <laughs> this is just, you know, foreshadowing to what can happen in the future, just like the title of this book, which is Later. And so you might have heard about this book before. It's called Later. It's by Stephen King. He's a very prolific um, suspense and kind of thriller author and I don't think I've actually read a book by him before so this is my first one. I read like snippets of his writings before uh, but not a full book and you know I'm a little surprised that this book is not as gory as the other books but that being said this is a third installment in his heart case crime so it's like a cross between paranormal and mystery and crime thriller kind of book you know yeah but you know what before we go into the book how are you doing what's going on with you what's new well so i i think i mentioned in our last episode that i was starting a new summer job and so i'm i think two and a half weeks into that and it's been going well i've been learning a lot i've been working with um migrant youth so it's a totally new experience, but um, I've been working on Spanish, of course, and I've been meeting a lot of kids from like different countries, and it's there's a lot to learn, but I like it a lot. Do most of those kids speak Spanish? Is that why you're re? I know you know Spanish, but are you relearning or learning more Spanish because they speak mostly Spanish? Yeah, very few of them. I mean, I think most of them know some very basic phrases, but we pretty much talk in Spanish all the time. And um, and it's interesting because I've been learning for like many years and I always feel like I can kind of effectively communicate with people who don't know English. Like I can talk in Spanish and understand most of what they're saying, but I still like don't feel like I'm fluent so I always have new things to learn like um I so far I've learned a handful of new words every day and so some of them are like bracelet because we've been making like friendship bracelets or acostumbrarse which means to get used to something because we've been talking about how like sometimes you don't like something because you're not used to it just like they don't like the food sometimes because they're not used to it that makes sense you know i speak burmese pretty fluently but even then i mean i'm not gonna know the newest slangs i'm not gonna know you know i'm not gonna know the the younger generation lingo so language is always evolving i mean even in english the english that that our parents knew or our parents learned when they were in grade school compared to what they're uh, what the kids are now used to it's very different so that makes sense that that um, you're learning more and then we all the language is ever changing. And then, you know, we are always like, what is that word? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, uh, there's not much going on. School is done. And, you know, that's pretty nice. I don't feel like I'm in vacation, unfortunately, because as soon as school is over, I had to dive into a few projects that I had outside of um, outside of um, school such as my parents moving so I had to help them out with that and then I'm also renting out well in the process of renting out um you know their new home or sorry their old home and and then like I said we're gonna I'm gonna be starting a new podcast soon with one of my friends so that's another thing that I need to kind of worry about and on top of that um just and my work has been changing a little bit because with COVID regulation being lifted, you know, that means we are actually preparing for a bunch of patrons to come into the library and browse and which we weren't allowing before. So now it's a new change. However, that being said, I am going to Iceland in July, late July. So I'm super, super excited about that. And I didn't know that Iceland was an expensive trip. Got the flight ticket was really good. It was only $630 per person. So like that's a pretty good price for Iceland. But then when I started looking like the common living accommodations and all that, I'm like, oh, wow. It's like $100 per person pretty much uh, each day. So oh, well, each night. So I'm a little nervous, but hey, you know what? I already bought the ticket. It's not like I can refund it. I'm just hoping that my passport will come in on time because I renewed it in April, like early April 1st, and they took out the fees in like May 2nd and May 3rd, and I still haven't gotten my passport, and the trip is starts on July 17th, so I'm a little nervous. I'm cutting close. Was Had it already expired before you renewed it? Yeah, it expired in March. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I didn't think that I was going to travel at all this year. So I was like, oh, I can renew whenever. And and then my friend was like, want to go to Iceland? I was like, huh, okay, I guess. Why not? <laughs> so so then, you know, I turned my passport and uh, hopefully it gets in here very interesting yeah you'll have to update us on like what activities you end up doing we will probably be hiking quite a bit because there's quite a bit of hikes and like different kind of hikes that we're used to in california and but luckily my friend chose the hikes that are only like like i don't know like three miles or less so it's very short hike but we will be moving towns each almost each night so that would be a little tiring but each drive is like no more than i would say four hours so which is not bad but we will have to definitely revise our uh, itinerary and see if we can afford you know if our energy can afford to to travel that much within a short span of time mm-hmm. yeah wow post-pandemic traveling yeah i don't know if we can really say post-pandemic yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we are post-COVID, but we are, like, almost post-COVID. But, you know, soon, soon. I've been thinking, um, what drink would we pair? If we had to pair later with either a cocktail or some other type of drink what would we pair it with you know this is a pretty dark book so something dark liquor like i don't imagine you pairing this with like vodka you know what i mean like i would imagine this would be more of a whiskey or rum or like some sort of tea liquor kind of drink but what do you, what are you thinking what's on your mind well, I think the most obvious one that comes to mind is um, just the name of it. It's the Dark and Stormy, which um, the color doesn't look actually dark and stormy. It's kind of an orangish drink, but I think, and I'm not really a alcohol person, so I don't even know like what it has, but it's one of my brother's favorite drinks. He makes it for my family pretty often. And so that was the first thing that came to my mind when I thought of this book because it's very, um, 
it's very i don't know how to describe it other than like creepy brooding and there's a lot of foreshadowing um and the other one was it's called the black manhattan this book does take place in new york and the color of the black manhattan is very close to black actually it's like a dark blackish purplish drink i'm looking it up right now and you're right it's like it's like a reddish brown black like some sort of purple uh kind of drink that's cool so it has bourbon which is supposed to be dark and deep and then has something called averna which is apparently an italian amaro some angostura bitters and some cherries as a garnish huh i don't think i have ever had a black manhattan what about dark and stormy uh do you know what it has okay so it has dark rum ginger beer and lime juice wow. so i feel like that that would probably have like that tinge of like sweetness and um sourness yeah that you get from a child's perspective because the main character of this book is a child right when i think of dark rum i almost think of like fireball or like spice you know morgan spice Mm -hmm. uh like spice rum so i wonder what it tastes like with lime it probably lightens it hmm so just like Sonali said, this book is very similar to Black Manhattan and Dark and Stormy. You know, one, it takes place in New York, which I feel like a lot of thriller happens in New York. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've heard people say that um, since every novel happens to take place in New York, they could have Stephen King could have maybe chosen a different city for this one. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of action movies, a lot of thriller suspense just happen in new york especially you know like by the train tracks and like all like underneath the rail tracks i don't know what that neighborhood is called but like that one there's a, a location in new york that is like used a lot of movies and is like underneath um some sort of rail track like yeah but anyway so what is this about well we have the main character jamie Conklin. At this point, he is about 22, 23 years old. So technically, he's retelling his story from the age of 6 to about like 16. So even though he's retelling, he's telling as if with from the voice of like 6 years old or like 7 years old. So like, you know, we still definitely hear the voice of a young kid instead yeah, of... It's kind of like we relive everything with him. So when mm-hmm. he's 6, we're reliving what happened to him when he was 6 years old. Right. Okay, so Jamie is a only son of a literary agent and, uh, and he has no father. At least we don't know who he is. Um, but you guys will find out at the end. But obviously, we're not going to spoil it for you. But anyway, so his mom hasn't really been lucky in the whole literary industry because this takes place around, um, you know, that time when that Ponzi scheme just went down and a lot of people lost money because they invested in that scheme, not knowing that it was just it was just a fraud. Yeah. So so that's what happened. And like his mom was pretty much like, like uh, struggling from that and but the main part of the story is actually of jamie and the secret is that he can see dead people you know this some of the scenes in this book is comparable to the sixth sense but i have never seen that movie so i actually don't know what is what it is about but uh even the book kind of references to the sixth sense a little bit yeah, I think a lot of people think of Sixth Sense when they think of this book because there's that iconic scene, especially in all of the trailers that we see the little kid saying, and he's really like scared when he says it, but he says, I see dead people. And that's kind of what Jamie is also able to do. After a person has died, sometimes they leave their body and he can see that person as if they were still alive and sometimes most of the time they look 
just the same as they did when they died. So if they have like a major injury or something, he can still see the injury. And sometimes it's hard for him to tell that they're dead because nothing is wrong with them. They look normal, but they can talk to him and nobody else seems to be able to see them. Right. And then, you know, we can call it a gift or we can call it a curse, depending on how you look at it. On one hand, it is a gift, right? Because this is like a superhero power. But on the other hand, the the power can be turned for evil or like people are too greedy and they may take advantage of him. And then that's kind of what he struggled with. Like uh, throughout the story, we see how even his mom who doesn't really believe in this kind of stuff i mean she acknowledges it but she doesn't want to believe in it because you know it is a scary thing but even her when she was desperate she used jamie to um you know to get ahead in in her life like in their lives and just like that there was also a dirty cop involved and this dirty cop called liz is his mom's sort of girlfriend sort of lover oh by the way this month is a pride month so hey i guess lgbtq representation i guess anyway um so liz is a dirty cop and you know even liz like didn't really believe in jamie's power and but then when she got desperate like she was definitely reaching out to to jamie for for his power and then pretty much like guilt tripping them and like manipulating them and it is like a a story of a fighting between the paranormal and the real life and and just you know going through with the day as a freaking kid or a teenager so yeah jamie's mom breaks up with liz because they're they're sort of in a relationship but not it's not clear what the relationship is but then her his mom asks her to leave and get all her things and everything and then for some reason liz keeps seeing jamie and the mom doesn't know and the mom doesn't approve because she doesn't think liz is a good influence but liz keeps like picking him up from school and um using him to get what she needs in her in her like ventures as a cop yeah i mean it wasn't much as in like she wasn't always picking him up but she was definitely you know she's like one of those people like i don't want to believe in it kind of like jamie's mom but at the same time the evidence is a little too strong for her to not ignore the fact that jamie can see dead people and and she, because she's a dirty cop and the feds are after her, she needs something to to leverage again so that she doesn't get fired. And then that's when Jamie came in, which is very unfortunate because from Jamie's point of view, you know, he's just a kid and he doesn't really know much. And, and Liz is using the excuse like, oh, you got to save the people. I mean what little kid would not agree to that right like yeah i gotta save the people but at the same time the real uh not the real yeah the real motivation of liz is not to save the people it's to save her own butt yeah yeah i think jamie if he had a choice he would not have this power at all i think it's just it's this thing that is kind of to him, it seems like a curse. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to pretend that it doesn't exist. Kind of like, I don't know, like if we have a cold or something, we just try to ignore it and go on with our day. And it's kind of like what he's doing. But then Liz makes it impossible to ignore because she keeps making him use that power. Yeah. And because of Liz, Jamie found a ghost that was very different from others. And you know the the theme of ghosts is that they have to say the truth but for some reason this ghost refused to tell him uh but of course like they still cannot lie to jamie so i guess that's just like a rule i i of the supernatural i do not know why uh that's a rule but but this ghost was definitely different from others and 
And Jamie was able to pry the truth out of him, but this ghost became more like a demon rather than rather than just a regular ghost because this ghost did not go away. Like it it lingered on. I mean, even at you know, right now at like twenty two, twenty three years of age, Jamie sometime will face that demon. Like because I think in that last chapter, that's why he said like sometimes he will wake up with like the demon pushing or hugging like, like him. Yeah, or like pushing his face, like shoving his face with like a pillow. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, I think that's something that kind of causes him a lot of anxiety because he at first he thinks he's kind of figured everything out to some extent like he doesn't really like this superpower he doesn't like being able to see dead people really but he's at least learned to navigate some of these things because he's figured okay dead people are usually there for a few days and then they go away and also if you ask them a question they have to tell the truth and he slowly finds out that that's not always true and that's giving him a lot of anxiety because he's he's always like worried that they're gonna haunt him or um that he's gonna see them somewhere yeah and then that's you know pretty relatable to like real life too right because like we don't really know much about paranormal i mean yes they are ghost hunters and there are people who can who claim that they can see the dead or they're psychics and and a lot of spiritualists but at the end of the day, we really don't know what paranormal is all about. And and it is a scary sort of thing. Because, I mean, it's scary because it's like the fear of unknown. And then we want to understand it. But then how do we even go about understanding this? Like, I feel like there's, real, there's no real like answer for that question yet. Yeah, and I think part of it is... Um, it's not designed to be understood by humans, and that's why it is paranormal because it's not it's not um, easily understood by us. Yeah, and then you know, in this book, dead people stick around for a few days, and then they disappear. Like they, they what what did Jamie say? They fade. That's what he said because they are able to talk fluently and and after a few days they aren't able to talk anymore and then and then eventually they're just gone like they fade out and i don't know if it's how it is over here because like we you know i've been on like haunted tours like in san diego like other places and then like there are definitely some stories that like some ghosts still linger around so i wonder I wonder if the rule that Stephen King put in this book of how the ghost disappearing also applies to the real world. Maybe not, but then we will never know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the first thing, the fear of the unknown. Um, And I think the second thing that we were thinking about was how the paranormal world works and I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit but it was things like how does it work in Stephen King's world versus how did it work in Sixth Sense and and we see that the way that we thought it worked at the beginning isn't necessarily how it works all the time so it kind of keeps us on our toes and it keeps Jamie uh, like looking over his shoulder all the time his grades start to slip and he's wondering, like, do the dead really go away after a few days? Do they always have to tell the truth? And years pass. So it's kind of like nothing happens for a year or two. And then all of a sudden he sees something again. And he's never able to, like, really relax because something's always happening. Yeah. Well, something's always happening also because other people sort of push him into it. I mean, yeah, so he's dealing with the with the ghost, but, you know, there's his mom who didn't want to believe in it, who is like, oh, let's just drop it. Let's just not tell anybody. But then all of a sudden, she's telling Liz that Jamie has this power, and then she's making Jamie go see this dead author 
to help them with like their financial future. So I think I want to say that like, you know, something always that statement, something's always happening. It's not necessarily due to just ghosts or like due to Jamie is the external factors. It is. And then that kind of plays into like the human greed and desperation, right? Because we, I mean, his mom and Liz were fine of not knowing anything with it or not doing anything with it. But then all of a sudden when they needed something to go forward, they, even though it's not the thing that they believe in, they're like, they're very desperate enough to, to use him. Yeah, and so there. then there's the question, if you have a superpower and you have this, like, dark desire, is it okay to use your superpower for something bad? And, like, what if you have a good reason for it or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is a really good question because in this book, we can see that it's, like, very gray. It's not black and white. I mean, you know, especially... Let's go back to Liz using Jamie, right? And Liz uh, did the Liz told him the reason for him to help her is to save other people, but her motivation is to save her own butt. But then, from Jamie's point of view, it's like, well, yeah, Liz is a dirty cop who deserves to be put away, but I can also help, you know, all these other people who are innocent. And it, that 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 line like is very gray, because uh, rather that line is blurred because it's you're helping out, you're using your power for the good, but then it also has that negative consequence of saving Liz, just like that. Um, you know, uh, even his mom when his mom asked him to go talk to the, uh, the dead author for his new book. On one hand. On one hand, it's like um, they it helps them with their financial future because they were able to sell this book and they were able to put the author's words on paper. But at the same time, there's, you know, academic integrity or like plagiarism and and how do you how do you go around that? But I think at the end of the day, Jamie was just a kid. But if you're a kid and you're put in that situation, like, what would you do? Yeah, I think I would have been kind of like Jamie. And I I don't think I would have known how to resist Liz because she seemed so she she started doing all this when Jamie was very young. And I think it's even harder to like stand up against someone who's doing something bad when you're really young because you trust them he lists all these reasons that he likes liz because she she brings him new toy cars sometimes and um there's some there's other things that he really likes about her and so when you have that relationship it's hard to stand up against someone even if they're doing something if they're making you do something you don't want to do and then he gets older and he becomes increasingly uncomfortable with the things that she's making him do but she he doesn't know how to get out and I think he's just scared of her and I feel like I, I might have been the same way if someone had made me do something like that yeah and that's also a really good story for like a lot of people out there because you know I mean obviously I don't know the actual stats but like from what I heard most crimes happen at home or like with the people like especially rape like most rape happen with somebody that you know so like it's always the people that you trust yeah so she's built this like trusting relationship with him already and by the time he finally tries to resist, like it's already it's it's been years of her like doing this. So yeah. But luckily, you know, his mom was able to end it to a degree, and and his mom is not one of the one of the other victim who just keep going back to their abuser. So at least that's great. 
Yeah. Well, she, I mean, she tried to end it by kicking Liz out of the house, but then she didn't know that Liz kept coming back and picking him up from school. And yeah, imagine if you like divorced your partner and um, the partner kept like hanging out with your kids without you knowing about it and making them do all these things that you were not comfortable with. And it shows that his mom was totally right about her. She um, she was not a good influence on him at all. And um, and the, I think the end really shows like how bad she was. I was not expecting that. The, that scene? Yeah, the altercation at the end. Yes. That was intense. But I feel like it was one of the best scenes. It was. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's... I mean, uh, Jamie's mom couldn't have known unless Jamie told her. And obviously, Jamie wasn't going to tell her first because, A, like you say, he trusted her and then he liked Liz for all these reasons. But, but I, I mean, even though Jamie's mom couldn't stop all that, I'm still glad that, like, she kicked Liz out because... I feel like a lot of the times the victims usually take back their abusers and uh, but like in this scenario in this book like Jamie's mom didn't do that Jamie's mom was like no I'm gonna cut ties with you I mean of course granted Liz kept coming after Jamie but that's a different story yeah yeah and you know the and there was a big question of of like how do we navigate all this chaos as a kid and as a mom because you can't protect your kid forever because you one you can't be around your kid 24 7 and as a kid how do you how, how do you see the signs so that you know that this is not normal behavior i yeah i had a feeling that his mom was kind of trying to turn her head and pretend like she didn't know what was happening because at some point she realized that the reason he'd been gone so much is because Liz was picking him up and she didn't take more efforts to stop that from happening I think there wasn't that much she could have done other than I don't know because Liz was a cop so it's not like she could have gotten she could have gotten a restraining order maybe but it might have not have helped because Liz is a cop. Yeah, I think cops in this country have quite a bit of power. Unfortunately. If you like our podcast, Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> that was like an awkward pause. And, but you know what is very interesting to me? At the end, what? Jamie reveal his dad. Um, do we want to discuss that? Um, yeah. So I heard that being like, I was reading other people's reviews of this book actually, and a lot of people were really uncomfortable with this. Actually, it was like one of their main criticisms. Yes. So uh, we're not gonna spoil it for you because. Because, you know, it is a very big thing. But one thing I did like about this book is that even at the end, literally the second chapter before the the chapter before the last chapter, it revealed the bombshell who the dad was. And I did not see it coming. And I don't know what to really feel about that. I'm just like, oh, right. But it is very random, isn't it? Like, you have all this story, and then all of a sudden, like, bam. Yeah, it seemed... I, I kept wondering what King's intention was with revealing that, because it must have had a purpose, and all I can think of is that he 
he wanted to show us how unreliable adults are and that it was knowing this um, unsettling fact just shows us that even things that we thought were um, facts are there's still like so much that we don't know and we like the book doesn't really end with like clear answers and we're still left with like all of this uncertainty and it doesn't really get addressed but i also feel like that's kind of keen style like he gives you a lot of like stories in the beginning like all these you know facts or like all these um lines and then he ties them up at the end but then he i feel like he still leaves you with like a, a random bombshell I just feel like that bombshell that we saw in this book was just really random. It didn't really have to do anything with Jamie's character. Or perhaps maybe he say, he wants to say that the result of the the result of the reveal has something to do with Jamie's superpower, but I doubt that. I so I was reading one of the New York Times reviews and not related to the the identity of the father, but just in general, it really highlighted how this book is about um, the loss of innocence. And I feel like the identity of the dad does kind of relate to that because it shows that kind of what I was saying before, it shows adults are really... Um, not to be trusted because even when they're trying their hardest they go down all of these really dangerous paths and they take you with them and you end up being dragged into the middle of all of it and he's the result of something very dark that happened in his mom's life and he he doesn't know what to do with any of that but he's not the innocent little kid that the book started out with yeah, you know, that's actually a really good way to put it. I didn't think about that before, loss of innocence. And we definitely get to see that quite a bit. I mean, we started off with Jamie seeing a, you know, a very terrifying ghost for the first time. Uh, the the biker in the Central Park. And he was freaked out. So, like, that's a part of his innocence was lost there. And then slowly getting, uh, slowly growing up and there's bigger and bigger things. And, and you're right, it's, the adults do like drag you to like all these things. And, and I'm sure they don't mean, like, you know, obviously I'm thinking of my parents now, right? Like, uh, the things that my parents have dragged me to, and then I'm sure they don't mean it to, to have a negative effect on me. But at some point, we all have some sort of trauma from our parents, and then his was well displayed all throughout this book. Yeah, and we can only hope that we don't pass it on to our kids. Unfortunately, we probably will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but because I just life and we don't mean to but hopefully you know we at least break one or two cycles before we pass it on to them or like we teach them that like you know sometimes this happens but that does not mean that you should follow it or like like think about it carefully or something like that but loss of innocence is definitely displayed here and played in this book on a lighter note uh, who is your favorite character? Well, I really liked Liz, actually. I think it's really rare to see um, a female villain who's so prominent in a book. And to see especially a female villain that's so complex. We see some of her backstory a little bit and we see some different sides to her. And both she and... His mom are these, like, badass women who have, like, complicated stories. And I think it was just really cool to see that. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, we don't really see that many female villains, you're right. 
And for me, my favorite character is Professor Burkhead. And why do I like him? Well, it's because I find him very logical, but I also find him very open to these scenarios. And I I think at the end of the day, because I feel like I can resonate with that kind of personality. I myself don't really believe in like paranormal stuff, but that doesn't mean that I'm totally close-minded. I'm definitely open to it, and that I, um, I'm willing to listen, and that I'm willing to, you know, believe in it for a little while. And and I see that being shown with Professor Burkett, so that's why I like him the best. He he's the one who at the beginning of the book. his wife dies and Jamie is the only one who's able to see the dead version of her that is able to talk still and he doesn't tell anyone until later when he's trying to tell his mom what happened to the ring that they're looking for and his mom finally believes that he can see dead people because she knows that there's no way he could have known where the ring was and then Mr. Burkett doesn't know till much later but he finally finds out and instead of reacting with like disbelief he approaches it with like curiosity mm-hmm. and he's kind of like a mentor to our troubled Jamie yeah because at some point um, he passed away on a plane and because you know he is old and he passed away from a heart attack I believe and and he still tries to protect Jamie even from the dead because at this point Jamie is facing this demon um, that you know the ghost that I mentioned earlier that's a little different from others yeah but he's facing this demon and then Professor Burkett was telling him to to never approach that demon and like to never deal anything with demon so you know he definitely was a mentor and he was a protector yeah and who is your least favorite character um that weird ghost who kept haunting jamie so there was a ghost who didn't follow all the rules that most ghosts follow like most of them disappear after a few days and this one wasn't and for some reason maybe he had some sort of vendetta against jamie or something but he kept following him around and um scaring him yeah his name is terry he was scary he was but you know kind of like what professor Parker was saying i don't think the ghost that linger behind is Terry anymore. I think it's like a demon or like a devil that took over. And, and it, oh, that's also brings another question. So it's interesting that the ghost that lingered is no longer Terry and it becoming a demon because it's almost as if his evil was so strong that something that is more evil just consumed him. Like, it's no longer him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like how, like, in life, we talk about, like, don't be greedy, or, like, greed will consume you, or, you know, all the, like, these bad things will co- uh, will consume your whole entire body or your thoughts. And it's kind of like that. Like, that's what makes me, rem- that's what reminds me of, like, he they all it was evil person i mean he was pretty much bombing each city and then he was killing innocent people and and somehow along the way his evil was so strong that it's no longer him anymore is it's this insane force that took over his body his soul yeah that is crazy so I wonder if people like Hitler and um, Hannibal, like if they had ghost versions of themselves, they would have also been taken over by demons. I don't know. That's a really good question. I hope not because I do not want to face demons. If uh, Not that I can see ghosts, but if I can see ghosts like Jamie, I definitely do not want to face them because they seem really scary. And I just, you know, it's too much effort. 
Yeah. Then, and the other thing is, I think a lot of these, like, villains, like Liz and Terriot, were pretty bad. And we don't know. Maybe there was something in their past that made them act this way. Maybe something had happened that made them really um, have these, like, compulsive desires. We don't really know. But they also, every once in a while, they do something that ends up being good. Yeah, even after Liz killed the bad guy, you know, his mom did say something along the lines of even a broken clock is right twice a day. So it kind of goes to what you were saying. Even bad people can can do something nice. And you know what that actually reminds me of as well? Um, There is this one episode from Scandal that I watch is like, even monsters have daughters that they care for. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, even people that are mostly evil, like, can be loving and caring. Yeah. And that is something that we actually need to be careful of because, you know, I was reading this many, many months ago, and it has to do with Hitler, and it show what Hitler did and how Hitler interacted with his family, his niece and how he pretty much was a regular human being and then that is kind of scary to think about right like cause there's, this person is so much so so much evil but at the same and then we I mean and we see that we we paint Hitler as like this monster but then there's this snippet that came out how he was just kind of like a family man and it's like how could somebody who cares so much about his family do such an evil thing yeah and you would have never known that he did all those things if you were just looking at him with his family right it's really scary and we just don't know what people are thinking that doesn't mean that we shouldn't you know not trust and we should not trust anybody i mean obviously that's going to another extreme but but at the end of the day we really don't know what the other person is thinking yeah and it it's also like sometimes when you start to trust people just like jamie started to trust liz at some point and then she kind of used that because that's what abusers do. They'll like lead you into this trap where you've built this relationship and then they do all these things because they have this control over you now. Right. Yeah. You know, I can see this book turning into a movie or a TV show. Yeah, I've heard people say that too. Like they can see it being um, a few seasons and... I, I would totally watch it. I feel like it would make a really good, like, crime, but also drama yeah. series. Because, like, Jamie finding out, well, not finding out, rather, but his mom finally believing, believing in him that he can see dead people. That could be a season. And then with Liz, like, the beginning of Liz, that could be another season. And then, and then you know, and then maybe, like, one more season before the big alteration with Jamie and Liz and I could definitely see it and then we could even have like a spin-off onto like his older life because I mean he's only 23 right now yeah. like 22 23 so I would also be interested in seeing what Liz's childhood looked like look like yeah too. so definitely has a lot of potential for a movie or a TV show well what would you give this book a rating from one to five? Um, I I did really like it. I wasn't expecting to. Out of five, I feel like it would be probably a four because it, it was a really good book. And fives are usually, for me, I, I usually give fives to books that I loved and i would read again and again and this it was really good but i'm not sure that i would come back to it i feel yeah 
I don't really reread books. And we kind of talked about that in like our second episode or no, not a second episode, last episode, like how I don't really reread books. That being said, I couldn't find anything that I want to critique on. I really like how he wrote it. His chapters are pretty short and it's very easy to follow. And, you know, I know Stephen King is pretty old. I don't know how old he is, but never once I felt like an older person is trying to write a younger kid's voice. Yeah, that was really cool how like we followed Jamie as he grew up and the voice kind of kept changing. Like it starts with a six-year-old and the language is kind of how a six-year-old would talk. And then he gets a little older and he's talking about like puberty and stuff. And then he's 23 at the end and he's talking about like wine and cigarettes. And so it's it's cool to see how his brain keeps changing and we never feel like it's actually a uh Stephen King talking who's actually 73 years old so we never feel like it's like a 70 year old talking yeah I didn't feel that I just thought that was really cool and I mean Stephen King is an amazing author for a reason and like his books are pretty popular but and it's amazing to see that transition and then never once we felt like a 73 year old man was trying to talk it was just you know, a six, 15, and then 22-year-old talking. So because of all that, I don't see any other reason to not give it a five. So my rating is definitely a five out of five. I like it. Will I reread it? Probably not. But would I reread it if there's a TV show or some sort of movie? Oh, definitely, because then I would want to compare. But, you know, aside from that, um, I, I definitely think that this book is a five out of five for me. Yeah, cool. Well, I think we are coming to the end of our episode. This was a little longer discussion than we usually do. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave us a review or comment, connect with us on Instagram. We are at hot off the shelves and tell us what you think. Have you read later or anything else by Stephen King? Yes, and then if you have any book recommendations or just want us to go over a particular book that you may want to hear, just, you know, contact us on Instagram and let us know and we will definitely do our best. See you next time. (laughs) 